0: Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast.
1: Hey, Greetings to you music lovers, thrill seekers, conversationalists all across the fruited plain. Time for broadcast excellence hosted by me, Rush Limbaugh, right here behind the golden EIB microphone, doing that which I was born to do. So I got a bunch of questions over the weekend. Rush, what's next? What's going to be the next Kavanaugh? What's going to be the 11th hour bombshell before the Wednesday vote? A lot of people ask me this. Saturday on the golf course, people rush. Why did they delay the vote? Why not do the The answer is that there's going to be something. There always is. There's 10 months to go. I don't know if the Democrats are going to launch something to stop the um, acquittal vote on impeachment. But there's no doubt they're going to have something that will be along the lines of Trump, Russia, Kavanaugh, you name it. I just... Don't know when. Now this delay that was built, and I actually, from what I heard, this is something The White House wanted the delay, folks. The White House wanted the delay so that the president's lawyers could uh, do a kick-ass closing argument, which is going to happen this afternoon. And then we have the State of the Union, and then the vote to acquit, and that vote to acquit. That's going to be what history records. That's all anybody in the long term is going to remember. This is what the Democrats have known since this began. Donald Trump didn't do it, no matter how hard they've tried. And you know the evidence here, there's some, there's, a, there's a story I have in the uh, stack here. Let's see. Yes. It's about Schiff. Is Schiff is not sure he's going to call witnesses. Uh, in the House, he's not just to see uh, Schiff won't say whether House will subpoena John Bolton. Really? Why not? If Bolton holds a key to this, if Bolton is the route to getting rid of Trump, then why not call him? I told you all last week they didn't really want to call witnesses. They didn't really want to go there. This is uh, an interview yesterday. Schiff on CBS News was asked if he's going to subpoena Bolton. He said, well, I don't know. Uh, not not sure we're going to do it. I've been telling you for weeks they didn't really want to hear from Bolton. They didn't really want to hear from They want to open that up. It was just like everything else. It was an attempt to pressure everybody, the Republicans in the Senate, to go along with it, to cave on this or that. Uh, but I think they knew... It wasn't going to happen. Schiff said that his his uh, his excuse that didn't Trump would have would have tied him up in the courts for for months, and that if if he calls Bolton for renewed hearings in the House, it's going to be tied up. Well, they knew that last week. So I I think so much of what they've done has been uh, has been exposed as uh, call it what you want, PR, uh, an attempt to sway minds. But look, here's the bottom line. You go over to MSNBC or you go to CNN and you watch them today. Or you watch them over the week. Chris Matthews says he's not happy with any of the Democrats running for president. Doesn't think any of them can beat Trump. Says all the Democrat candidates have obvious problems. Now he didn't just figure that out today. He didn't just figure this out yesterday. This has nothing to do with how... Him, well, it actually does, the fact that he mentioned it has everything to do with the fact they bombed out an impeachment. Impeachment was their effort to get Trump off the ballot. It was a long shot. It was never going to work. But they decided to roll a dice and hope for a Hail Mary. But they know they got nothing. They Even with Bloomberg, and we're going to get into the Democrat situation and circumstances as the... As the program unfolds, Jeffrey Tubin on CNN, reminding everybody on CNN, look, all history is going to record is Trump was acquitted. Trump didn't do it. But again, that doesn't mean that they're not going to launch some other bombshell discovery, some leak about something from somewhere. They've got 10 months to go. And... There are a couple Democrats on record saying this is not going to be the last time Trump is impeached. Now, before we move on to the political news of the day, I want to spend just a couple of minutes here on the Super Bowl. Congratulate uh, the Hunt family, Clark Hunt, his Mother Norma, the head coach, Andy Reid, number 15, Patrick Mahomes. It was a it was a, really turned out to be a good game to watch. First time in fifty years, the Chiefs have been back. A lot of the conventional wisdom about the game did not materialize, meaning media predictions. It was not the high-scoring romp that everybody thought it was going to be, and it was. Uh, it was just. It was. It was a fantastic evening, despite television's best efforts to screw it up. Did you watch any of the pregame show? You know, that when these games start, the players are rusty. The players are nervous. The players, the first five or ten minutes of every Super Bowl, little fumble here, bad pass there, incomplete, what have you. They're sitting around on the field for 15 minutes waiting for the game to kick off. Meanwhile, all these promotions are taking place and advertiser-related things are taking place to delay the start. It's getting more and more cluttered in the pregame. Every year. And I think the NFL better be careful because they're forgetting the reason they're there. It's the game. It's the players. And the game and the players are beginning to take second fiddle to some of the other promotional stuff. That's I mean, you can't get away with all of it. Don't misunderstand. But I mean, they brought those players out for the Kobe Bryant ceremony. That was botched. Nobody knew what they were doing. The moment of silence lasted three seconds. Did you catch that? And then the players broke down, and they both left the field. Both teams left the field. They left because they had to leave the field to come back on the field for player introductions and the anthem. And speaking of the anthem, speaking of the pre, can we say, Vic? What did the NFL focus on in the pregame? The flag. With the 49 in the game, Colin Kaepernick opposes the flag, kneeled down, didn't like the flag. The NFL makes a big deal about the flag. They play Johnny Cash's ragged old flag song in its entirety in the pregame. A major, major political victory. And hey, they politicized it, not us. Halftime show is another thing. One one other thing on this before we go. There was a... uh, show on Fox and Friends weekend on Sunday Brian Kilmead went to the next tent they everybody was down there in South Beach and near the stadium at the same time and Fox had the broadcast rights so the Fox game broadcast team was in one tent Fox News was in a nearby tent Kilmead decided to go do a behind the scenes feature on what the Fox pregame show is as it's being assembled You got Howie Long back there. You got Terry Bradshaw, Kurt Menefee, and Jimmy Johnson. And when he got to Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson's talking about his first Super Bowl and mentioned me. Every time I have run into Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson mentions me and what happened in his first Super Bowl in 1994-95. It was the first of two Super Bowls over the Buffalo Bills, and it was in Atlanta. Now, that, that Super Bowl, and I, I, of all the things for him to remember, but this is, I, it's made some indelible print on his, on his brain. When the Cowboys won the NFC Championship game going to the Super Bowl, Jimmy Johnson announced that he was not going to bring his parents Remember this? He didn't want to bring his parents. He bought them a brand-new, gigantic TV and told them to stay home and watch the game because there's all these distractions at the Super Bowl. He wouldn't be able to spend much time with them. USA Today did a story on it, and I praised Jimmy Johnson. This is a very mature thing to do. He's going to be tugged in whole different ways. He's not going to have much time to himself. And all the demands that are going to be placed on him would indeed be distractions. And it's the rare person that would tell family, hey, you know, we'll celebrate after this week. Here's a new TV. Watch the game on TV. Don't come here. It's going to be a zoo. I'm not going to be able to hang it." I was praising him. Well, on the sideline of that game, Jimmy Johnson comes out with the Cowboys. I'm there with Steve Sable, NFL Films. And Johnson comes up to him and says, boy, my mama, it ticked at you. And I said, Why? Well, telling her to stay home. and I said, Coach, I'm all for what you did. I think it was a great move. I think it's a very mature move. He laughed about it. He laughs every time it comes up. And that Super Bowl comes up. He mentions the story that I (laughs) told his mama not to come. It was him. I I don't know if he thinks I was being critical of his decision or not, but I was praising his decision. You know how tough that is to do? To tell your family to you know hey okay, look we only got a week down here and it's going to be a zoo and I'm not going to be able to spend a lot of time with you. Your feelings are going to be hurt. Here's a brand new TV. Watch it on that at home. We'll get together later. So he uh, he mentions this. In fact, here here it is. It's uh, what's the number? Uh, eight eighteen. Here it is in threes. This is uh, kill me. This is it, it happened at about three minutes into the. I guess a five or six minute. piece. Peace. My
0: first Super Bowl,
1: uh, I caught a lot of flag because I told mother and
0: daddy to stay at home. And Rush Limbaugh says, you told your mother and daddy not to come to the Super
1: Bowl? I said, this is an important game. I don't want any distractions. Now, I, I did bring him to the second Super Bowl. Yeah, so he he thinks that I was criticizing him for it, and I never was. I was I was praising him for it. I thought it was a very, very mature thing to um, to do. So anyway, congratulations to the Chiefs. This is a big deal. The founder of the Chiefs, Lamar Hunt, created the American Football League when they wouldn't let him in the NFL. And he coined the term Super Bowl. His daughter was playing back in the day with a little plastic black ball called a Super Bowl. He said, oh, Super Bowl. And it just... um, a great thing for everybody involved. 49ers will be back. They're a, they're a young team, a great coach and everything. And it, uh, it turned out to be, you know one heck of a game and a one heck of a night for everybody involved. other than the 49ers losing, that's always tough to do. Now moving back to politics. Did you see, we're going to move to the Democrat primary here, the Hawkeye Hawkeye. Because folks, it, <laughs> here get Chris Matthews now admitting they don't have anybody can beat Trump. Now that this impeachment thing, now that Russia, I mean, it's, it's kind of hit them. They've bombed out. At the moment, today, they have failed to get rid of Trump. And Trump is stronger than ever. And the economy is going gangbusters. And now they realize Trump's going to be acquitted, which they all knew before this began in the first place. And now the real worry is crazy Bernie. They are really worried that Crazy Bernie is actually going to win the party nomination. Other stories about John Kerry saying to people at dinner, I got to do something. I got to move in. Maybe I can run again. We got to stop Bernie from taking over the party and ruining. You know, let me give you Democrats a, a little hint. The the difference between Joe Biden and Crazy Bernie is so infinitesimally small. You Democrats that think your party's not gone full fledged socialist left need to wake up. What do you think Focahontas is? What do you think Pete Buttigieg is? What do you think all of your frontrunners are end up going to be? Bernie may be the most left wing of them, but there's nothing centrist about the Democrat Party. There's nothing moderate about the Democrat Party. That's why it doesn't matter who you nominate. You're all whoever the nominee is is going to be seen as incompetent, or too old, or too left, and no matter how you slice it, way out of the mainstream of American culture. And they know it. They know it by virtue of this mounting attempt to get rid of Crazy Bernie. And they know it. Did you see the Democrat National Committee made a change in debate rules? That is, it's going to destroy this party. There were two requirements to get into the next Democrat debate. And they changed one of them to permit Doomberg to get in. One of them, you had to have certain strength in polling. The other, you had to have a certain amount of uh, individual donors equaling a specific amount of money. And, and Bloomberg doesn't have that. The, the money that's been donated is all his. And they changed the rules to permit Bloomberg on the stage, in the next debate, blatantly. And it's got other Democrats ticked off, like Amy Klobuchar and Andrew Yang. And it's an attempt, it looks like what it is, an attempt to stop Bernie Sanders, which they successfully did in 2016. Does anybody really think there's any difference in Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton when you get down to brass tacks? When you get down to policy, what the left-wing policies are, there's, there's hardly any difference. Bernie Sanders and it's just Bernie's more upfront and open and honest about it. And that's what they're really afraid of. This guy is going to take the mask off all the way, illustrate for one and all who they really are. But Bernie's not on an island all alone in that party. The Des Moines Register refused to release the final edition of the Iowa poll. The Des Moines Register partners with uh, let's see who they partner with. Des Moines Register and Seltzer and Company have made the decision. It's MediaCom. Des Moines Register MediaCom poll. They did not release the final poll, and so because they said there was something wrong with it. This is huge. You know, it's amazing, too, folks, to look at the media reaction to this poll not being released. If you have any doubt how crucial polling is to political news and not for reflecting public opinion but shaping it, take a look at the panicked reaction to the Des Moines Register canceling the release of the Iowa poll on the eve of the Hawkeye, Cawkeye. Now people are speculating, was it so good for Bernie Sanders that they had to cancel it? Were the poll results so positive for Bernie, this was the last chance to manipulate the vote? Now the stated reason is, well, I'll look at the, I got to take a break. Uh, See the clock. Stated reason for it. I will explain. Program continues right after this, folks. Do not go away. All right, you got to hear this. Welcome back, El Rushbo and the EIB Network. The House managers uh, in the process of closing arguments, two hours each side... The President's lawyers get their two hours uh, lunch break's going to be over a couple, three minutes. Anyway, here's Hakeem Jeffries from mere moments ago. Closing arguments. And the, it, it, it's about 40 seconds. of just want to sum this up. Do it for McCain. Do it for Ukraine. Listen to this.
2: The late Senator John McCain was an astounding man. Yeah. A man of great principle, a great mm-hmm. patriot.
1: He fought admirably
2: in Vietnam and was imprisoned as a POW for over five years. Yeah. As you all are aware, Senator McCain was a great supporter of Ukraine. So? A great supporter of Europe. So? A great supporter of our troops. Yeah. Senator McCain understood the importance of this body. Yeah. The Ukrainians and the Europeans and the Americans around the world and here at home, are watching what we do.
1: That's it. You gotta convict Trump because of McCain and Ukraine. It's the best they got. I thought they slammed on case. I thought they didn't need witnesses because they proved their case over and over again. Now we gotta go back and remind these guys in the Senate that John McCain used to be there. And we gotta do what McCain would want? Yes, that's exactly. McCain would want this. McCain would want this for Ukraine too. Doesn't sound like they have a whole lot of faith in their in their case. Now, Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, Washington, says that she's very aware the Democrats very concerned that they're going to lose some votes to acquit, meaning maybe some Democrats are going to vote to acquit. No kidding. We also predicted that. Before all of this began, sit tight, my friends. More broadcast excellence in mere moments. Don't go away. Having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have Rush Limbaugh back at it behind the golden EIB microphone. Grab sound number 23. Just want you to hear it. Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, Washington. This is today, NBC. Special coverage of the impeachment trial where they're still holding out hope. <laughs> still holding out hope that something is going to happen.
3: I think that they must be concerned as well that they are not going to hold all of their Democrats, and that would give President Trump a tremendous political talking point to say it was a bipartisan
2: acquittal.
1: Yeah, it was always going to be this way. This is the thing. Everybody knew this. you know. I, I, look, I don't want to be one of these, see, I told you so, guys. I could do it every day. But this, folks, how many times... Did on this program, Do we sit here and make the point, what are they doing? No matter what happens, there's going to be an acquittal, no matter what evidence they had. There was no way, because Trump didn't do anything. There's no impeachable defense. There's no crime. No matter what they can lie about and manufacture, try to convince people of. So why do this? They're reduced now to trying to dirty up the acquittal. Grab audio, soundbite number two. Another thing I predicted, they are trying to dirty up the acquittal, but it isn't going to work because of what Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, Washington, just said. Here's soundbite number two, three, two, one. Top top Democrats in Congress say that the failure to call witnesses is going to put a taint on Mm -hmm. any acquittal.
3: You cannot be acquitted if you don't have a trial. And you don't have a trial if you don't have witnesses and documentation.
0: I don't think that it has the legitimacy of vindicating this president.
2: They cannot walk out of this building and allege and assert that there has been a true acquittal. There will be no true acquittal.
1: This can't be a real acquittal. No vindication, no victory, and certainly no acquittal. A permanent asterisk next to the acquittal of President Trump. No, nope. nice try, but there's no going to be asterisks next to it. He's acquitted. And now you had Andrea Mitchell, NBC News. What three Democrats are going to join? There are some Democrats in Trump districts. They care about re-election. The American people know Trump didn't do anything, or at least enough of them do, that that this all uh, matters. Sound by number five, Jeffrey Tubin, CNN. Let that rip. Trump won. You know, he's gonna win this trial. He won uh, on the issue of witnesses. He's gonna get acquitted. And um, that that's how history will remember what, what went on here. All right. Now, along these same lines, there's two fascinating stories from the drive by media. By the way, hang on. Your phone calls are coming up here. New York Times. While stained in history, Trump will emerge from trial triumphant and unshackled. His acquittal in the Senate assured the emboldened president will take his victory in grievance to the campaign trail, no longer worried about congressional restraint. The New York Times it makes you wonder what they were trying to accomplish when they could see this very result. So blinded by poisoned rage and hatred that they ended up shooting themselves in the foot all along the way. Now they admit, with Trump's victory, he's going to feel emboldened. He's going to feel confident. He's, in their world, their fear is that Trump thinks he's now free to become a dictator. That is, that, that is delusional. Uh, no longer worried about congressional constraint, meaning nobody can stop him from doing anything The point is that they're all beginning to realize that it's not a tainted acquittal, that it's not an asterisk acquittal, and that this is a major profound victory for Trump over them and over the Democrats, and that they couldn't stop him. They're not finished trying to stop him. Do not misunderstand But they realize what has happened here. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Here's how this New York Times story begins. Ralph Waldo Emerson seemed to foresee the lesson of the Senate impeachment trial of President Trump. When you strike at a king, Emerson famously said, you must kill him. Mr. Trump's foes struck at him, but they didn't take him down. CNN, meanwhile, very outraged, very, very upset that Trump is not going to apologize. Very upset, very outraged that Trump is not going to admit any wrongdoing like Bill Clinton did. Well, Trump doesn't have anything to admit. Everything they've said about him has been made up. Every so-called abuse of power, every so-called cover-up, every so-called... Obstruction of Congress. It's all been made up. Why should Trump apologize? Trump doesn't apologize, period, no matter what. But then there's this story. This is from Politico. This is Ryan Lizza. And this may be one of my favorite stories of the weekend. Ryan Lizza went to Des Moines. He went to a Trump rally. Do you realize how few Democrats, elected Democrats, Washington Democrats, DNC kind of Democrats... You realize how few of them have actually ever been to a Trump rally. You could probably count them on one hand, and I'm not exaggerating. They watch these things, if they watch, from afar on TV, and they mock them, and they make fun of the people there. And they laugh and make fun of Trump. And they look at these crowds, three-day crowds of 75,000 to 100,000 people wanting into a 10,000-seat venue. And somehow they tell themselves it doesn't mean anything. It's just Looney Tunes. It's just white supremacists, or white nationalists, or a bunch of racist pigs, or a bunch of chauvinists, however they characterize and mock Trump voters, they don't go. They haven't, in fact, in these four years, they've, they've yet to endeavor, even their political consultants, the people they pay to help them win elections, have not endeavored to find out who Trump voters really are and why. So Ryan Liz, reporter for Politico, he went to one. He went to the rally in, uh, let's see, it was uh, Des Moines. Headline, the unexpected joy at a Trump rally in Iowa. On the cusp of beating two articles of impeachment, the president's fans were in a celebratory mood. Meanwhile, somewhere there was a Democrat race taking place. Let me give you some pull quotes from this piece. Something you notice at Trump campaign events is for his supporters, these are safe spaces where they can relax. They tailgate. They make new friends. The speech is largely beside the point. Trump's speech. No, no, Ryan, it's not beside the point. (laughs) But no matter. Ryan Lizza observed the joy, the joy of attendees at a Trump rally in Iowa last week. With Trump in power, presiding over peace and prosperity, on the cusp of beating two articles of impeachment, his fans seemed in a celebratory mood. By the way, there it is, presiding over peace and prosperity That's the drive-by media. They know. They know. If there were a Democrat, peace and prosperity would be the only thing you'd be seeing characterizing the Democrat administration, except there can never be peace and prosperity in America with the Democrat Party in charge as it is currently constituted. You doubt me? Take a look at any Democrat seeking the Democrat Party nomination. What are they promising to do? Dismantle all of this. Dismantling all of this that's creating what ought to be a new normal. A new normal not of permanent decline, not of America's best days are behind us. Why shouldn't these three now going on four years of economic revival, why shouldn't these become the new normal? So peace and prosperity, everybody's celebratory mood. At the Des Moines rally, impeachment was treated by Trump and his fans as something to mock. Trump went on a long tangent about how the Richard Nixon, Clinton, even Andrew Johnson impeachments were dark times in American history. In contrast, Trump said, this is a happy period for us. The second result of impeachment is that it's blotted out. The Democrat nomination race for weeks. Boy, is that ever true. Have these people... Stepped in it or what? They've taken their own. Actually, when you get it it may be an unintended plus that their campaign has been overshadowed by this because fewer and fewer people know the radical nature of it. But that's about to change. Point is. Ryan Lizard goes out and he finds a bunch of happy people, people that are experiencing joy. There isn't any joy in official Washington. There hasn't been in three and a half or more years. And in fact, on the Democrat Party side, the left side, and folks, this, I'm, not, I'm not saying this because it's rote. It's, it's really true. There isn't any joy on average any day for American liberals five years ago, ten years ago, yesterday, tomorrow. Liberalism is constitutionally, foundationally incapable of providing joy for people. Because it's rooted in grievance. It's rooted in anger, misery, and unhappiness, and the false promises to fix all of that. So, this guy finally takes the plunge, braves a Trump rally. He doesn't find angry white supremacist, white nationalist. He doesn't find any anger at all. He finds people loving life, living the dream, enjoying themselves and where they are, enjoying each other. Stop and think. That must be so odd, so unique for these people that an entire news article was written about it. As if joy and peace and prosperity and meeting new friends and having a great time making new friends—that's so unusual that it is worth writing a story about. And before we go to the break, let me share you with this late-arriving headline. You ready? UK Express, but the source is NASA. NASA climate scientists live there and work their headline, weather warning. Earth could be hit by a mini ice age this year as the sun hibernates. You know what this story's about? It's about solar. A decrease in solar activity, another thing that we've been chronicling and telling you about for Many, many moons. There are fewer and fewer sunspots, sunstorms. The sun is reaching a period of low output comparatively. You bring this up to the environmentalist wackos, sun's not a factor in climate change. What are you talking about? They ignore it. Earth could be hit by mini ice age as sun hibernates. Experts warn a solar minimum could last until the twenty. 20- 50s. Anthony in Pittsburgh, as we head to the phones, it's great to have you, sir. Glad you waited. Hello.
0: Hey, Rush, thanks. Uh, First time caller after 30 years. It's great to be on. Hey, I'll get right to the point, but um, uh, you know, I have a theory, too, about this impeachment, and I do believe that the Democratic National Committee, which is probably the most corrupt uh, body I've ever seen or heard, has really tried to knock out Biden. And I do believe they Went, took uh, this whistleblower in his buddy. Went to Schiff. Schiff took the bait. Pelosi had the back of Democrats. Wait wait wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait! Oh, I love this. Hang on, just you think that the whistleblower's original purpose, the DNC, wanted to take Biden out?
0: That's exactly right. Okay, they
1: couldn't. They wanted to take Biden out, so they go get this invest. They were hoping and praying that Trump wins and gets an investigation of Biden.
0: That, well, hope that Trump, it, well, these guys, the whistleblower comes on to the shift. Schiff takes the bait. He says, hey, look, he goes to Nancy. We're going to impeach Trump. Okay, but at the same time, we're going to get, uh, they're thinking we're going to get Biden as well once they start bringing up charisma. And you know, they brought up, the Democrats brought up charisma more than Trump did over the past uh, three months. So with now the Biden's tanking. They were hoping to push Warren. Well, Warren, unfortunately, is tanking now, too. And who's rising? Barney. They're in a panic. A total, total panic. Well,
1: wait a second. If you think they wanted to take out Biden, who do you think they wanted to fill the gap?
0: I think they wanted Warren. Well, well she's... T- I mean, they're, they're, you've got the uh, the, squ- the squid or the squad or whatever. They're, they're, they're pushing Warren. They're pushing the... the uh, The Communist Manifesto for these guys—it's unbelievable. That's right. And I think the Democratic Party uh, wanted Bernie out last time. They can't. They know he's look.
1: I just okay. I appreciate the theory, and I love. I love the listening to people think. I love how their minds work, and this is a unique one. We haven't heard that this was really a way to take Biden out, and that Schiff fell for it. I I, I don't don't agree with this. Uh, I think this was literally all about getting Trump. I think these people have have destroyed themselves intellectually, emotionally. I don't know that this had anything to do with the with the Democrat primary. I mean, you can go deep in conspiracies all you want. Okay, so you have a trial. That keeps Crazy Bernie, Focahontas, Klobuchar, everybody but Biden, glued to the Senate. Biden would thus own the campaign if he had the stamina and the wherewithal, if he knew where he was every day, to be able to go out and own the campaign. But he couldn't. Even with these guys locked in the Senate, Biden couldn't take advantage of it. Now, I know when the when ABC ran that story on Biden and Hunter and Burisma back in May 2019, I thought this was the first phase. Of them trying to take Biden out, and the reason I thought they were try to take Biden out is because he can't win because of his age and his history. He's never won any presidential primary that he has uh, that he's entered. But I just I want to reiterate, folks, do you re- Hillary Clinton has a far more left wing voting record in the Senate than Bernie Sanders does. Bernie Sanders is not alone in representing a Democrat party as a socialist party. That's what the entire party is. Don't fall for this idea, they got to get rid of crazy Bernie because he's taking the party down the tubes. They're all going to take the party down the tubes. That's the reality. Well, another exciting hour of broadcast excellence in the can. On the way over to Limbaugh Broadcast Museum, a virtual... If you haven't visited it, you should... At uh, RushLimbaugh.com. An obscene profit timeout here at the top of the hour. It will be right back in Resume before you know it. Hey, Welcome back. Greetings to you once again, music lovers. Thrill seekers, conversationalists. Everywhere. All across the fruited plain. El Rushbo here. Executing assigned host duties flawlessly. Zero. Mistakes. Telephone number is 800-282-2882, and the email address lrushbow at eibnet.us. I want to go to the phones for a brief moment. I just saw a note. There was a young, young girl on the phone Friday, during Open Line Friday, that apparently we didn't get to. She's 13. She was on hold for most of the program. Her name is Olivia, San Antonio, Texas. And Olivia first I'm sorry you held off for so long Friday, but I'm very gratified that you did I'm very grateful and i'm I'm glad you're back here today we uh we got her number she let us she let her parents graciously allowed us to call her back so here you are Olivia thank you so much. how are you doing Good how are you Well I'm great great to have you and it's great to know that you're out there.
4: I just wanted to say I love well my whole family loves your. Rush Revere series. We think that Liberty is our favorite character. We just love you and Liberty together. It's hilarious. And my family went on a history trip in the fall and we listened to your books and then we went and saw the famous site that you
1: talked about in your book. You did. How how long did that take? I mean, did you go to all of them? Did I understand you correctly?
4: Yes. We went up the East Coast, and it took seven weeks.
1: Seven weeks? You took a seven-week trip to visit every historical place we wrote about in the Rush Revere books? Yes. Holy, cow! seven weeks did you do them all back to back or did you do a week here and then a week there? Did you you just devoted seven we weeks?
4: We did them all back to back. We drove and drove and drove.
1: <laughs> I am I'm I'm floored. I'm ta- how many in your family?
4: Um, five of us with my grandparents, my sister, my mom and then me.
1: Well, what did you think? Okay, so you had listened. You said you listened to the books. You listened to the audio version, or did you read them too? I haven't
4: read them.
1: I listened to them. Okay, well, that's good because you get to hear me read them, and that's 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 as good as reading them. You can't do better than that. So, what did you think of all these places? I mean, you you heard about them in the books, and then you see them. Uh, were, were your expectations met? Were you glad you did this? Yes. Did you have a favorite? I, did you have a favorite place or a most uh, a most meaningful place?
4: I think I like the I actually got to stand on the spot where the Boston Massacre took place.
1: Yeah, Boston there's some so many spots in Boston that we wrote about. That's the old church, the Revere locations. They're just well, I'm so happy that you did that. I, I, I've, I've 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 had some calls from people that went to a couple. They take a week here, or a couple of weeks there, go to certain places. But you did all, and your family with you. That is, um, ah, that's just above and beyond. You know, we. You say your favorite your favorite character is Liberty. Yes. Sir. Well, well, we have the the whole Revere operation. We've got a whole goodie bag. Full of exciting really good stuff that somebody like you would love to have if you are if you are that into these uh, books, which is just great. I, I, <laughs> I'm floored that, that, that you had the time your family took the time to do this. Uh, we put a lot of time writing these books and we wanted to get them as historically accurate as as possible. Uh, you know we, we believe Olivia that if, if more people actually knew if they were taught, uh, the really unique and great aspects of American history that we wouldn't have as many problems in the country as we have today because there wouldn't be so many misunderstandings about what kind of country we are and what our founders intended it to be. So I'm I'm just – I'm so moved to, to learn that you did this.
4: We tell everyone about the books that we meet. We tell them all about our history trip, and we tell them about your books.
1: Well, I can't. I, that, that, that's even better that, that you're doing that. It's too bad you didn't have a stash of them to give away, as you were telling everybody about. Maybe we could do something about that. Look, Olivia, thank, thank you so much. Now, don't hang up because we need to get a mailing address for you where we can send you the Liberty Revere goodie package and some other surprises in there, because this is really above and beyond the call what you've done here. You've um, really gotten so into it. You, the reason we did this, you, you have epitomized the reason that we did these books. I I would love
4: that. Thank you so
1: much. I can't thank you enough, Olivia. Thank you so much. Remember, don't hang up. A nice man, Mr. Snurdly, will be with you in mere moments to get your mailing address. Boy, folks, that that kind of feedback. (sighs) Seven weeks to visit all the spots. Their, Their family took her. Five of them. That's just... Oh, it's amazing. Flat out amazing. Thank you again, Olivia and Olivia's parents. They're from San Antonio, Texas, and she was on hold. It was open line Friday. She was on hold a long time Friday, and and I made the mistake of not getting to her, so she let us call her back. Uh, In the previous hour, folks, I left off in midpoint about the Des Moines Register poll that was suspended, and I want to get back to it because I don't like to leave open loops. The reason this poll was, was suspended was because, believe it or not, somebody claims that they used an incorrect font size on a web page, and that resulted in one name, candidate's name, not being seen by one respondent, so one respondent was not permitted to vote for whoever because the one name, Buddha Judge, didn't appear. The respondent tells the people at the poll and they cut the whole thing down. They just, they cancel it. A single Mayor Pete supporter claims that Mayor Pete's name wasn't an option. During a phone poll, now CNN's refusing to release the poll results and everybody's wondering what the real reason is. And most of the speculation has gone, because this is, you know, I've always known how important polling data is. I remember one time I had, uh, I had dinner with, this is like 1992 or ninety. I had dinner with Tim Russert and his wife. And the moment he arrived, all he was talking about was polls. The latest NBC polls and what it was showing about Perot and George H.W. Bush. And... I said, Tim, it's just polls. But no, it's not just polls to these people. To the political class in Washington, polling data is gospel. Some of them believe it is totally legit and up and up and reflective of public opinion. Others are fully aware that it can be used to make public opinion, to shape it, manipulate it, and so forth, which is what I think it's become. Polling has become a vehicle for creating breaking news. And most of it's useless. Most of it's irrelevant. Like you can't remember today, 2016, February 3rd, what the polls back then were. Nobody can. You'd have to go look them up. It's, you know, it's relevant for fundraising and things of the moment, but in terms of actually telling you the outcome of an election 10 months down the road... Not much, but this Des Moines Register poll is the poll of polls in the Hawkeye-Cawkeye. And it always comes out Saturday night, Sunday night beforehand. And when they held it, when they spiked it, why, it it was like communion being canceled. People were panicked. They didn't know what to do, so they started speculating. Why did they cancel it? And you know what? The, The speculation Mostly centered on, well, maybe the poll didn't show the results they wanted. Now wait a minute, I thought that shouldn't matter. Who wanted? I mean, in a, in a in a in the media world, they want us to believe they don't care what the outcome is. They don't care what the poll shows. They just release it. It's the news. But we all know that's bogus. We all know they have a vested interest in the outcome of the polls. We all know how they shape them with. Uh, various percentages of Democrat respondents versus Republicans versus Independents versus Martians, you know, whatever they want, they can get. Now, this is a poll done with the Des Moines Register, which is the paper of the hawkeye Caucus. The Des Moines Register lives and breathes, exists. It exists for the Iowa caucuses once every four years. It's it's like a you know, a restaurant in a, in a town that's only open for four months in the winter. They stay open the other eight months, but they have to make enough money in the four months of the winter to keep themselves open the rest of the year. Same thing here. They live and die for the Hawkeye Cawkeye. And not releasing the poll was a major, major upset The Des Moines Register, CNN, and Seltzer and Company have made the decision to not release the final installment. Nothing is more important to the Register and its polling partners than the integrity of the Iowa poll. Today, a respondent raised an issue with the way the survey was administered, which could have compromised the results of the poll it appears a candidate's name was omitted in at least one interview in which the respondent was asked to name the preferred candidate. Now, you might be saying, okay, well, what's this got to do with font size? Well, you've got the person conducting the poll. They're on their computer. Maybe they're running their website at 110 or 125% of normal size. In other words, it's zoomed in. And maybe the last name on the list you don't see unless you scroll because of the zoom in or enlargement. This was the original explanation that the person conducting this particular poll, making this call to this one respondent, was listing the names. Okay, who do you prefer to win the Hawkeye? Okay, list the names, but didn't mention Mayor Pete because this person didn't see Mayor Pete's name on the computer because it was too zoomed in. If the person had scrolled up, it would have seen Mayor Pete's name. Anyway, the respondent supposedly got hold of the polling unit, the paper. Hey, I was just polled, but they didn't read Mayor Pete's name. So this one instance is why, supposedly, they canceled the release of the whole poll. And a lot of people say, come on, that's not enough to cancel the whole thing. What was really going on? And the speculation is that Crazy Bernie was mopping the floor with everybody. That Crazy Bernie was up by 7 to 10 points and nobody wants that, supposedly. Because Crazy Bernie is going to destroy the Democrat Party. If crazy Bernie's going to destroy the Democrat Party, then then Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and the rest of her squad are going to destroy the Democrat Party. And why is nobody trying to stop her? Well, maybe they are, but they're not having much success at it. The idea, and I don't mean to be redundant, but the idea that the Democrat Party is some moderate mainstream bunch of dry balls is a it's, it's a it's a bunch of garbage San Francisco Street. This party is as radical left as it has ever been. And it's been radical left for a long time. They've just masked it and covered it up. They are starting to get, you know, Crazy Bernie and, and AOC is, is the beginning of the unmasking. And now these people running around, oh, Crazy Bernie's going to take the party down. All they're admitting is... That if somebody actually fully opens up about what we're going to... Because you can't find any difference in Elizabeth Warren and Crazy Bernie's policies. Or any of these other people. Well, Rush, they're not all for Medicaid. For Yes, they are. When you get right down to it, they're for government running everything, folks. I don't care the degree. Do not fall for the idea that Democrats have some kind of free market wing in there. Every damn Democrat can't wait to cancel these tax cuts. Every damn Democrat can't wait to cancel the policies that have resulted in rising wages. That's the bottom line. Let's take a brief time out. We'll come back and resume before you know it. Don't go away. As usual, talent on loan from God. And look at this. Now, this is a couple days ago from the Daily Wire Pelosi warns Democrats if they support certain candidates, they will lose. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi warned Democrat voters on Saturday if they support the far left wing of the party in the primaries. They are setting themselves up to lose to President Trump in the general election. Pelosi reportedly tried to push back on the far left candidates running in the primary Two most notable are Crazy Bernie and Focahontas. She said to Bloomberg News, what works in San Francisco does not necessarily work in Michigan. As a left-wing San Francisco liberal, I can say to these people, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What have you been thinking in this impeachment business? What this is? This is these people don't even know who they are. Or they're in some kind of state of denial. If they support certain... How do you think this impeachment has been perceived? You think this has been perceived as a bunch of moderate, normal, mainstream Democrats? Trying to take out Donald Trump for crying out loud is as clear as a bell who's been behind this and Madam Pelosi that you green lit it. Here is uh, Pat in Melbourne Beach, Florida. Great to have you on the EIB Network, hello.
3: Hey Rush, thank you for taking my call and for all you do, I love you. But I'm calling because I was really appalled watching the halftime show yesterday. The pole dancing, the crotch shots, the tongue flicking, and the audacity they had to even involve children with this. There
1: was. Hey, wait a minute. Did you know that those were Hispanic children and they were in cages? Yes, I
3: saw that, and I found it to be disgusting. I mean, this is. These are the people that who support the Me Too movement, and yet they had no problem with the exploitation of women on stage. And of all things, Jeb Bush came out and said it was the best halftime show he's ever seen. I, I know many of my family and friends... No, so wait. Disgusting.
1: Just a uh, minute. I did not hear Jeb Bush came out and said yes. it was the best halftime show he's ever yes, seen?
3: I guess that's what getting support.
1: three delegates will do for you.
3: the hundred million... <laughs> Well what was your opinion of this rush?
1: I thought, are we back to objectifying women now? Is it okay if you've got people like J Lo and Shakira flashing it all to the imagination, leaving very little the imagination, going through all this then what what is this what, and, and I tell you, I, it didn't happen in a vacuum. Then you go to the commercials. How many commercials were there in this Super Bowl about how women are still being victimized and they need to empower themselves by sticking together? And and Catherine saw one of them and looked, looked at me and said, I resent this notion. I resent the idea that women have to band together in order to do anything that's achievement worthy. This is silly. It, it, it didn't work with her. But I think it was full of mixed messages. That, but right. But the, I also
3: thought I also thought it was the worst commercials I have ever seen. I I didn't understand half of them. Maybe I'm getting too old. No,
1: you know what? I thought the same thing. I uh, and I think I ask myself that. Look, am I just am I generationally beyond where the country is? I think a bunch of corporate marketers, because of media and because of Twitter, are totally misjudging the mainstream of American culture. I do not believe the mainstream of American culture is as touchy-feely, as insecure, as so frightened of living life and getting up every day as portrayed in so many of these commercials last night.
3: I sure miss the day of the Clydesdale horses, Rush. I love those.
1: <laughs> Kicking field goals, no less.
3: I sure do. Those were the best, and I sure wish Bud would bring them back, I, I tell you, but they I guess they won't.
1: Well, a different bunch now runs Budweiser. You know, a Spanish concern owns Anheuser Busch now. And I, I look the, the, the half times it's been trending this way. This I mean, it was just it's just in in context with the Me Too movement. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein would have probably loved a damn show. I mean, is that what they're shooting for? Welcome back, my friends. Meeting and surpassing all audience expectations. Every day. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB network. Let's see here. Grab uh, audio sound by number seven. This is funny. This is uh, Savannah Guthrie. This morning on the Today Show. And she is chatting with Bite Me. Plugs. And she brings up... This is fascinating to me, the way this happens. Up until today... The drive-by media, if you brought up Barisma, if you brought up Hunter Biden, if you brought up Ukraine, it was a laser attack on Trump, and they would make no bones about it. They would go after Trump. It's unreal. Trump's sick. Trump's putrid. Go after Biden. Biden's nothing happened. No proof. Now that we're on the verge of acquittal, Now you've got all these drive-by, like Andrea Mitchell worrying that all a bunch of Democrats are going to vote to acquit now. So the acquittal is going to be bipartisan. Oh, my God, this is horrible, she's saying. And uh, others, Chris Matthews on MSNBC, saying, oh, this is bad. This is bad. There's not a single Democrat running for president who can beat Trump, which, by the way, they've known this since this current crop of 23 Democrats announced. But they, they went all in on Trump Russia, and then Kavanaugh, and in Avenatti, and in Stormy Daniels, and now Ukraine, holding out hope that they were gonna be able to get Trump thrown off the ballot. But now that it, the acquittal is on the verge of happening, Now everything's changed. Now she's asking plugs about his son, Hunter, and Burisma. The question is on the bite. Here we go. Do
2: you agree that it sets a bad image?
1: and
0: my son said that.
2: Do you think it was wrong for him to take that position, knowing that it was really because that company wanted access
0: to you? Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that?
2: Who said that? that? Don't you think that it's just one of those things where people think well that seems kind of sleazy why would he have that job if not for who his father was
0: he's a very bright guy
2: i guess the question i'm kind of
0: asking is was it right his appearance yeah yeah well he said he regretted having done it speak for himself the grown man
1: where has this been they all know They all know it looks bad. They all know it stinks. They all know it's true. They all know that Hunter Biden's not qualified to do anything for Burisma and especially get paid what he got. But they all knew. They all know. By all, I mean they, the drive-bys. They've all known. And yet, what have we been treated to? That Trump was seeking dirt on his 2020 political opponent. And it was an impeachable offense. He didn't need the dirt. They've known it. Trump didn't need to do an investigation. These people have known all along how sleazy it looks. Now they come along and ask plugs about it. Being on the board of Burisma, don't you agree that that sets a bad? Yeah. Yeah. You think it was wrong for him to take that board position, knowing that it was really because that company wanted access to you? Oh, that's not true, it's not true. Who told you you don't know what you're talking about? You have no idea what you're talking about. Who told you to bring? You don't know what... And then he ends up confirming it. Well, he's a grown man can speak for himself. They've all known it. And I've known that they knew it. I've known they've that's why this whole thing frosts me. Some people, you know, Rush, you allow yourself to get too worked up about this. You know how it's gonna end. You just need to relax and let it play out. I'm sorry, I can't it ticks me off that this whole thing is treated as a game by these people. And the game they're playing is ruin somebody who was elected president and ruin his family. And ruin anybody that supports him. And it's just a game. Sadly, that's how too many people, particularly in that town, look at it. Yeah, it's just a game. But don't you find it fascinating that, that that now, when they failed in their game, when they failed in their made up allegation, now all of a sudden, why go after Plugs' as kid? Why do this? On the day of the Hawkeye, Cawkeye, why do it? Well, there's only one conclusion we can draw it. They want to take Plugs out. Is that not what's going on here? At least NBC does. So why would NBC want to take plugs out while others in the party are worried? No, it's not plugs. It's a problem. It's crazy. Bernie, we got to take this guy out or he's going to destroy the party. This party is an absolute mess. And this impeachment focus has covered that up pretty well. This party doesn't even have the ability to admit publicly... What it is, what it stands for. By the way, here's another plugs bite. No, 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 don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that their danger that they present or pose is reduced. Not, not at all. Don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. Do not misunderstand me. They still pose a great threat and risk because of what they believe. And these people remember elections, losing elections doesn't stop them. That's no longer part of the recipe for Representative Republic for these people. When they lose elections, it's a scandal. Something's gone wrong and they've got to fix it. Anyway, Biden forgot what he was going to say and he admitted it in this bite. This was Saturday in Cedar Rapids. I have a different theory about this, but he saw Representative Stephen Lynch, who is from Massachusetts, a Democrat. Saw this guy in the audience. Plugs was doing a, a town hall, and there's the usual twenty people there. I mean, nobody. They probably had to pay those people to show up or give them something. I mean, it's a tiny bunch of people. It's it's so small you don't even need a microphone for it. Did, oh, speaking of which, did you? NBC has this story massive Sanders rally, massive rally for Bernie Sanders Saturday in Iowa. And then the story, you read the story, free booze was provided, free rock music, and you know what the massive crowd with 3,000 people, and they have a massive Bernie rally in Iowa, a massive 3,000, 3,000 people show up at a Trump rally, they'd cancel it. Massive crowd, 3,000. Here's, here's Biden. He's got 25 people at some town hall somewhere. It's so small you don't even need the microphone. And he did forget his place, supposedly. Here is how it sounds. I've been doing this.
0: I hate to acknowledge
1: it, but how are you doing, man? Great to see
0: you. This one of the leaders in Massachusetts. This is a really, 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 really fine man. Anyway... So thanks for being here. Speaking of loyalty, speaking of loyalty, God love you. Thank you. But at any rate, uh the fact is that uh um I haven't
1: forgot what hell I was gonna say. He didn't know what he was gonna say to forget it, is the truth here. He's wandering aimlessly. I've been there folks, not as often as it happens in plugs, but all of us who speak publicly, sometimes the brain just goes blank. Split second, half hour, rest of your life, whatever. Plugs had no idea what he was going to say. And he sees this guy and the guy is a rescue opportunity. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How you doing? Great to see you. And he was hoping... That he would inspire himself with something to say while looking and talking about the guy. What this means is, he had no idea what he was going to say before he recognized the guy. Oh, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm sharing my experience. I've been there. I've. It's so obvious, especially with, with, um, with plugs, that it's it's. He doesn't even, folks, I'll guarantee you that there are times when the lights are off, if they're ever on. And he's in private with just the wife and whoever. And I'll guarantee you that he's sitting around saying, what the hell am I doing? God love you. What am I doing? Why the hell am I doing this? God love you. Where's Chuck? Stand up, Chuck. What am I doing this for? Where's Barack when you need... I, Barack can bail me out. Barack can endorse me. Make this so much easier. Hell, Barack was saying, what am I doing, Jill? What am I doing? Jill meaning the wife. Here, by the way, Major Garrett, soundbite number nine this morning, CBS this morning, talking to the um, co-host, Tony DeCoppo, I guess it is, Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett, chatting about plugs. First or fourth. You don't hear Sanders people
0: saying that. You hear them saying first or second. First or fourth is a huge gap for Biden. But if he's fourth,
1: he's the big loser in Iowa. Yeah, they're panicked over Biden. Well, yet some places are trying to take Biden out. Now they're panicked. He may end up in fourth place. If any of you out there have any idea <laughs> beyond my own stated brilliant theorems, I'd love to hear them. Back with more after this. So I checked the email during the break. Somebody asks, would you elaborate on your point that American corporations are misjudging the American mainstream? And you know, I've always said that if you want to know America, watch advertising because the people responsible for creating advertising campaigns have to nail it. If they're trying to sell a product or service, they got to reach as many people as persuasively as possible, meaning you've got to do all kinds of of market research to find out who your audience for your product is and how best to reach them and what's best going to really hit them emotionally. And ever since Twitter and social media, I, I think, and I'm, I'll elaborate on it, but not now, because there's some things I want to add to this, but I really think that Twitter is causing a lot of formerly clever and adept people to totally screw up. It's not just advertisers and advertising agents. I think it's the drive-by media. I think Twitter has skewered the ability of a lot of people to figure out who this country is. It isn't Twitter. Twitter does not come close to representing Majority thought in this country, practically anything, except maybe, maybe the most inane, banal pop culture stuff. But on serious political issues, Twitter, journalists have relied on Twitter as a standard for public opinion. And I think a lot of corporate marketers who don't do their own market research are doing the same thing. And the result is that you get really banal advertising in the Super Bowl yesterday that most people don't, don't recognize. What's the point? What, why is that going to make me want to buy whatever it was that was being advertised? I, to, to, to prove my point, I can't remember a single product that was advertised. Sitting here right now, trying there's nothing that made an impression. I can't remember a single product. Oh, sorry, Turkish Airlines. I remember, and you know why I remember Turkish Airlines? Because I didn't know that it flies to more cities than any other airline in the world. I'd never heard of Turkish Airlines until yesterday. Here is, I'll expand this, because I think it's also creating a bunch of really messed up television shows. You can't turn on... A television—you can't turn on a network or a, a TV in prime time without seeing the focus on the characters' their lives as incomparable, unending suffering. And I don't mean the suffering of of um, it, it, it's psychological suffering, and it's as though that is. The majority, of, the majority of America is suffering and in great pain and, and crisis and, not, and it, it, over things that are not specifically uh, named. And yet then you have a mainstream journalist goes to a Trump rally and finds joy and finds happiness. You know what happens at a Trump rally? You find normalcy and somehow normalcy has been rejected because it's not politically correct or it's not cool. And if you're not suffering, and if you don't recognize suffering, then why, you don't care. And, and, and you have no compassion, and you have no empathy. And it, it, it suffering is unavoidable, but it's not something you want to make a permanent aspect of your life, your attitude, and yet, this is how it's 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 been portrayed. I need to develop this further, but and I'll do it, I promise. Here's in the meantime, Sue in Davenport, Iowa. I'm glad you waited. Hi.
2: Hi, Rush. I I'm really nervous. But um I have Not a wait, why why
1: are you nervous out there, Sue?
2: Because i my husband would admit this, but I am obsessed with your show and um I don't know. I just think you and President Trump have done wonderful
1: things for this country. Well, you're so kind. But you don't need to be afraid of me. And, you know, I understand the nervousness. I've been worried. I've been a caller before. You're sitting out there and you're waiting and you're waiting. And somebody comes, OK, you're next. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then you hear my voice, okay, Sue and yeah. Davenport. You're like, oh, my God. I hope I remember what I'm going to. That's kind of the way it is, right? Yeah. Well, you don't sound nervous. Let me just tell you that. You sound like okay. you're totally composed and confident yeah. and ready to unleash.
2: Well, I have a theory on the Iowa caucuses tonight. I think whoever wins the Democrat caucus tonight will be who the Democrats want to win. Because it seems like um, they, I don't know how recently they changed the rules, but they changed some rules on the Democrat side of the caucus. And I'm sorry I can't explain what those changes are, but I know they changed them. Plus, in 2016, if my memory is correct, I can't claim to be 99% correct, but I i could swear there were found uh, votes for Hillary, which
1: put her over the top. Oh, you're right, you're right. They were found on buses and a bunch of stuff from out of state.
2: I mean, I might be remembering that wrong, but yeah. it, it was close, and she ended up on top. And I think well, now, the last...
1: Very quickly, isn't that the case? Every year, the Demo- whoever wins the Hawkeye Caucus, who the Democrat wants to win, or is it only this year that you think that? Because you're essentially saying I, it's rigged tonight. So you you think it's rigged in favor who whoever wins the DNC's rigged it for that person to be the nominee. I I think so. All right. it, 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 well, okay. We'll keep a sharp eye on that. Years. We'll see. We'll remember that as we watch the results tonight. Ooh. Interesting theory. Got to go. I'm out of time. I'm very sorry. You were f- you were great. Tom Brokaw, Tom Brokaw, warning the Democrats that in a strong economy, it's really hard to vote for socialism. <laughs> only in a strong economy. It's only it's really hard to vote for socialism. Maybe another time, he thinks. Back here in just a sec. And we are back. Great to have you with us, my friends. Rush Limbaugh here behind the golden EIB microphone. Meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every day. America's real anchorman, America's truth detector, and the doctor of democracy. Great to have you here. Telephone number is 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbow at uh, eibnet.us. You know, we talked about Super Bowl commercials earlier. Trump had a great one yesterday in the uh, in the early part of the game. I- I'll tell you, and I think this spot. I'll play the audio for you. It's a great video commercial, but there was more outreach to the black community in this commercial by the Trump campaign than there has been. By the Democrat Party, and I don't know how long. The Democrat Party takes the African American vote for granted, just assumes it's going to be there. Trump has engaged in a number of things that are designed to reawaken minorities to the truth about Democrats and how, as Trump said, what, what do you got to lose? I mean, you've been voting these people for 50 years, you have the same complaints. Nothing that the Democrats are promising to fix for you ever gets fixed. Everything just gets worse, and your complaints remain the same. So one of the big things, criminal justice reform. Big deal in the African-American community. The belief that the incarcerated in America are largely, the percentage base is out of whack to the mainstream population. A lot of people say, hey, it's not about that. It's about who's found guilty and who does the time. But African-Americans believe the system is corrupt. But the point is, they have been after the Democrat Party to do something about this for who knows how long, and they've gotten nothing but a bunch of lip service. And while they've gotten nothing, they've seen the Democrat Party bend over backwards and forwards in whatever direction they can for illegal immigrants and making sure that they've got welfare, making sure they've got free this and free that. So Trump has come along. Jobs for African-Americans way up. African-American unemployment, a 50-year all-time low. And African-American approval for Trump in three different polls hovers around 34%. Same thing with Hispanics. So the ad that ran... Is a campaign ad, and it has Alice Johnson, who was falsely imprisoned and was released because of Trump's legislation. Let's listen to the audio of the ad. Alice Johnson sentenced to serve life in prison. I'm
2: free to hug my family. I'm free to start over. This is the greatest day of my life. My heart is just bursting. With gratitude, I want to thank President Donald John Trump. Woo-hoo! Thank you, thank you, thank
1: you. I'm Donald Trump, and I
0: approve this message.
1: The powerful visual, uh, and, and I, I didn't read early enough, the, uh, the the text, the graphic over the beginning said Alice Johnson was sentenced to serve life in prison for a non-violent drug offense. Life. Thanks to President Trump, people like Alice are getting a second chance. That's the criminal justice reform. And it's true. Now, I know there's a lot of people that wait, wait rush, this is pandering. Well, in in the specific instances of people like Alice Johnson, it's not pandering, a life sentence for a nonviolent drug offense. And there are others in this circumstance, that this legislation has forced their release and others upcoming. And again, the point is, in the political realm, the Democrat Party has been promising its constituents, its voters, that it's going to fix this and deal with this, for as long as you and I have been paying attention to this. And they don't ever do digitally squat. They talk a great game, and they've got... The uh, Reverend Jacksons and the Al Sharptons, and they run around and, and they do they hustle all of the, the racial instances that allows the Democrats to keep calling the Republicans and conservatives racists and all that. But if Trump can peel off just 10 percent or 15 percent of the African-American vote, and this ad, believe me, if you saw it, it was, well, it was worth a rewind. No, I, I missed it. I asked somebody, did you just see the Trump ad? I said, no. Well, I said, oh, look, it, I can hit the rewind here on the VCRs. So hit the rewind. I'm well, not the VCR, the DVR. And it was worth the rewind to watch it. Now, along the same lines, I mentioned earlier, you know, the NFL. And I really believe that Donald Trump, and I'm not pandering here, I think Trump did the NFL one of the biggest favors that it's ever been done by calling out these people, the players, who were kneeling and disrespecting the flag. Here's another great example. The NFL can't possibly believe, could not possibly have believed, that its number one demographic didn't like America, could it? It couldn't possibly believe its number one demographic would love and appreciate disrespecting the flag. That can't be the case, right? We don't know. But it was clear the NFL did not want to take any action against that when Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, got that ball rolling. And one of the reasons why is that 75% of the players in the NFL are African American. It's assumed that that their political attitudes would be the same as Kaepernick's, and you don't want to tick off the players. If the players don't play, then you don't have a league, and you don't have television rights, and you don't have money. But the NFL audience, the people that watch the games, that make the TV rights fees possible, that patronize all the sponsors, you know the drill, they can't, the league couldn't possibly have believed that that's what the largest segment of its audience wanted. And, of course, it knew it wasn't because what happened after that Kaepernick thing began, the TV ratings began to nosedive. And who came in and saved the day? Trump. By calling it out, by doing what the NFL probably wanted to do but just couldn't bring itself to do. It could not go after its own employees. It could not go after the people that it's elevated to star status, the players. So Trump does it. And in the process, the people that were kneeling and disrespecting the flag got called out. And they stopped. And as those protests stopped, viewership began to rise People began to pay more attention. I mean, the attendance at stadiums was really crashing. That's on the way back. Still got some room to go on that. But my point here is that in the pregame show last night, the NFL, which has most of its media still ticked off that Colin Kaepernick can't get a job. That somehow the media, something wrong with the NFL for not hiring the guy that kneels. And by the way, who lied about it? He said his problem was not with America, with the flag. It was with racist cops. But it is with America. It was with the flag. He made it abundantly clear. And the NFL went out of its way to give him a workout. He blew that sky high. does not want to give up this pedestal he's on that Nike has helped put him on that gave rise and birth to the stand-up for Betsy Ross campaign, which then resulted in $5 million being donated at Tunnel to Towers. So in what has come full circle, the NFL in its pregame last night does a three-minute devotional to the American flag in a... Well, to many of us it was direct, but to others it was kind of an indirect slap at all the people that got this started. And in this instance, this is somebody realizing who the NFL primary demographic audience is. And I'm telling you again, I think corporate America is blowing this Not all of them, of course, but some of these TV ads that ran the Super Bowl last night literally made no sense. And I'm not that old, and I'm not that generationally outside of the norm. And I think it's Twitter and social media that's causing everybody to make a grand mistake, big mistake over what this country is, who lives here, what the majority thinking is, what our cultural values are. And you can see it some of the advertising last night. But in this pregame show on Fox, they aired a video honoring the flag, Johnny Cash singing a ragged old flag, Medal of Honor recipient Kyle Carpenter. This was a full-fledged, unabashed, 1,000% support for the flag for the country, for the American military, for the people that defend the flag, who've lost their lives defending the flag, in just three years, this is this is a major, major political victory. I don't want to say that too loud because I'm not trying to rub people's noses in it by any imagination. That's not all well, of them. I'm, I'm not doing yon, 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 yon. I'm simply pointing out. An evolution here that continues as part of the Trump presidency that is focusing people on the decency and the greatness and the goodness and the exceptionalism of America rather than having that focus be on whatever these mindless complaints are about America's forever tainted, it's unjust and it's immoral. People don't want to hear that. That's not how you reach a majority of the people in this country and the NFL has figured it out. And here's just a half minute of that ceremony last night. So
0: we raise her up every morning, we take her down every night, we don't let her touch the ground, and we fold her upright. On second thought, I do like to brag, cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old. God bless America.
1: That was Kyle Carpenter. Now that that was chill up your spine uh, kind of stuff. And it was uh, I was watching this, and I that, it, what a what a turnaround! What a complete turnaround! So good for the NFL for figuring it out. And back to the phones we go. Here on the one and only EIB Network. This is Seth in Greencastle, Indiana. Welcome, sir. Great to have you here.
0: Hey, Rush, it's such an honor to be on with you. I appreciate you taking my call. You bet, uh, sir. I wanted to make just a couple quick points, if I could. Uh, The first was, it really is amazing the difference that it makes when you've got a United States president that loves our country, and it was seen so clearly last night in the opening of that Super Bowl. Uh, When you looked at the faces of the people in the crowd, uh, when you looked at the faces of the players as that salute to America was going on, and compare that to two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, it, it's really astounding. And it, it's because we have a leader that that loves our country, that's fighting for our country, and it makes
1: all the difference. I and think I, I think that is exactly right. You cannot you cannot say that it's not a fact. You go back, because you're right. If you look at just look at the last two or three years, of the Obama administration, when all this kneeling stuff was getting rooted. I mean, the Obama administration was purposely, I think – it's not – it's more that the left. The the, the American left, the Democrat Party, is itself obsessed with suffering and with grievance and with misery and with unhappiness and and providing themselves as the solution. Uh, or as the respite from it. Not you. You certainly are not capable of rising above your own suffering. You're not capable because you're not responsible for it. The Republicans are making you suffer. The rich are making you suffer. Uh, the insensitive are making you. The racists and the bigots are making you suffer. And we're here to fix it. We're going to punish them. We're not going to fix you, but we're going to punish them. And, of course, nobody's misery is ever res- resolved. And that's just fine. And Trump has an entirely – you notice he said the Clinton impeachment and the other impe- – those, those are Nixon and Watergate. Those are bad times. This is a happy time. Even about his own impeachment, this is a happy time. He knows his people. He knows his base. He knows his voters. There's joy at Trump rallies, as we pointed out. And I think, I think you're exactly right about the Super Bowl. It's – you know what the news coming out of the Super Bowl was? Two people. Two people did not stand for the anthem. They would be Jay-Z and Beyonce. And that was it. Uh, It does matter that you have a leader who says it's okay to love your country. That it's preferred to love... In fact... It's wonderful to love your country. Your country is worth being loved. You're worth being appreciated. As opposed to America is racist and bigoted. America has stolen what it has. America is unjust and immoral. America is not special. Like Madison Albright teaches foreign policy at Georgetown or I think it's Georgetown. And and she teaches United States just an accident. There's nothing special. Just an accident of timing. Bunch of people left the UK at a point in time in history where the king was hated. Nothing really special about founding of America. She's the same woman that believes the world is destabilized if the U.S. is the only superpower. So there's no concept there of the United States, the good guys. And we have a president who is the exact opposite. And it does matter because people are not afraid. They're not afraid to wear the flag. They're not afraid to show it. They're not afraid to celebrate it. And you can't make that case when the left is dominant and, uh, and in power. Thanks for the call. Back in a jiffy. Okay, Raymond in Mission, Mission, Texas. You're next, sir. Hello.
0: Rush, it's an honor speaking to you. Um,
1: First-time caller. Probably two- or
0: three-year listener. And my question is, let me preface it with this. I don't care who the DNC throws at Trump. I think he's going to win, no matter who. But it's kind of enjoying watching them trying to pick their nominee. And with what happened to Bernie in 16, when they kind of railroaded him, and it's kind of rearing its ugly head again. Do you think
1: Bernie says "screw you, DNC"? I'm going to run as independent. Well, it's an interesting question. I'll tell you why. Because Alexandria Ocasio Cortez has alluded to doing this, has she not? For Bernie, that Bernie, that they would go third party. Uh, AOC and the squad very, very upset. They're part of this nutball bunch that thinks the Democrat Party is not left-wing enough. You listen to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she thinks the Democrat Party is too cool. Moderate mainstream. There's no moderate mainstream in the Democrat Party. Now you might know, come on, Rush, there got to be some of these people. I look at some of these senators, they look as dryball, dull as your average rich Republican. Look at how they vote. Don't care how they look. Don't care where they come from. These people are gigantic. Look, there isn't any crossover between Democrat and Republican. What do we have in common with them? They want to upset and rip apart every aspect of the Trump agenda. They want to take everything that has led to the unleashing of our free market economy for the benefit of everybody, starting with tax cuts. And what do they want to do? Eliminate it. Why? Why would we are in the midst of robust peace and prosperity? Why? tamper with it. Why wouldn't the Democrats be saying, yeah, the economy is great, we can do even better? Why wouldn't they say this? Even if they didn't mean it? Why not even acknowledge that things are good? They can't even do that. Even the most so-called moderate mainstream of them. They've got to do everything they can philosophically, ideologically to disagree and tear anything to do with conservatism or republicanism apart because it is to every one of them the enemy. Now, I will allow that I don't know them all personally. There may be an exception. There may be some moderate new democrat centrist somewhere that I don't know, but they're not running for president. Every demo, you got the Yang guys. So it's time to move everybody to higher ground because of climate change. Speaking of which, do I have, to, I have a great story here that's confirming every point that I've ever made about climate change? What did I do with it? Uh, I mixed my stacks together not long ago. Uh, and they and got they got conflated in there. Yeah, it's somewhere I'll have to find. Maybe, is there one last chance? No, not it. Anyway, folks, don't don't doubt me on this. There's no mainstream... Mod- Let me get out of audio sound bites. I'll give you some evidence here. This is Friday night, Clive, Iowa, during a Bernie campaign event. And some members of the squad, including Rashida Talib from Michigan. And there's a Q&A, the moderator and Talib are talking about... Hillary Clinton
2: I don't remember if you guys remember last week when someone by the name of Hillary Clinton said that nobody we're not gonna boo we're not gonna boo we're classy here no no I'll boo boo
3: (laughs) you all know I can't be quiet no we're gonna boo that's all right the haters the haters will shut up on Monday when we win
1: we're gonna boo Hillary Clinton why are they booing Hillary Clinton why do you think because she's too moderate because she's not she's got a more left- wing voting record than Bernie Sanders does. They're booing Hillary Clinton because she won't go away. You know, she's out there saying nobody likes Bernie. No, nobody likes Hillary. She has worn out her welcome. Nobody she will not leave the stage. She has to have a prayer of winning. And they're mad that she will not just shut up and go away. Up next is Ilhan Omar. Same place, Clive, Iowa. Bernie Sanders campaign event. And this is Ilhan Omar talking about when she first came to America.
4: When I first came to the United States, I remember one of the first things that I saw was homeless people sleeping on the sides of Manhattan when we arrived in New York. And I remember turning to my father and saying, this doesn't look like the America you promised.
1: So he says the minute she got here, she saw homeless people in New York. And America was not what her father had. Has she been to San Francisco lately? Has she been to Pelosi's? Has she been to Dianne Feinstein's hometown? And who runs New York? Who has run it? So... Anyway, you're not going to find moderates. Will they go, will Crazy Bernie go third party? It depends on if he thinks that he has been purposely taken out by the DNC as opposed to legitimately defeated by some of the other candidates. Be right back, folks. Don't go away. And welcome back. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this um, this day has been... Uh, one of the most difficult days in recent memory for me because I've known this moment was coming in the program today. I'm sure that you all know by now I really don't like talking about myself. And I don't like making things uh, about me other than in the usual satirical, parodic, joking way. I like this program to be about you and the things that matter to all of us. The one thing that I know that has happened over the 31 plus years of this program is that there has been an incredible bond that has developed between all of you And me. Now this program's thirty-one years old, and in that thirty-one there are people you hear them call all the time, and they've been listening the whole time. They've been listening 30 years or 25 years. Just had somebody say they've been here three years. But whatever, it is a family type relationship to me. And I've 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 mentioned to you that this program is and this job uh, is what has provided me the greatest satisfaction and happiness that I've ever experienced, more than I ever thought that I would experience. So I have to tell you something today that I wish I didn't have to tell you. And it's, it's a struggle for me because I, I had to inform my staff earlier today I can't escape, even though telling people are telling me it's, it's not the way to look at it. I, I can't help but feel that I'm letting everybody down with this. But the upshot is that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Diagnosis confirmed by two medical institutions back on January 20th. Uh, first realized something was wrong on my birthday weekend, January 12th. And I wish I didn't have to tell you this. And I thought about not telling anybody. I thought about trying to do this without anybody knowing, because I don't like making things about me. But there are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here. Because I'm undergoing treatment, or I'm reacting to treatment and I know that that would inspire all kinds of curiosity with people wondering what's going on and the worst thing that can happen is when there is something going on and you try to hide it and cover it up it's eventually going to leak and then people are going to, why didn't you just say it? Why just? did why, you try to fool everybody? And it's not that I want to fool anybody, it's just that I I don't want to burden anybody with it and I haven't wanted to Um. Uh, But it is what it is. And you know me, I'm the mayor of Realville. So this has happened, and my intention is to come here every day I can and to do this program as normally and as competently and as expertly as I do each and every day because that is the source of my greatest satisfaction professionally uh, personally, I've had so much support from uh, family and and friends during this that it's it's just it's it's been tremendous. And I told the staff today that I have a deeply personal relationship with God that I do not proselytize about, but I do, and I have been working that relationship. <laughs> tremendously, um, which I do regularly anyway, but I've, I've been focused on it intensely for the past couple of weeks. I know there are many of you in this audience who have experienced this, who are going through it yourselves at the same time. I am at the moment experiencing zero symptoms other than I look, I don't want to get too detailed in this. What, what led to shortness of breath that I thought might have been asthma or, um, you know, I'm 69. could have been my heart. My heart's in great shape, ticking away fine, squeezing and pumping great. It was not that. It was uh, a pulmonary problem involving malignancy. So I'm going to be gone the next couple of days as we figure out the treatment Uh course of action and have further testing done, but as I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here as often as I can, and as is the case with everybody who finds themselves in a circumstance, you just wanna, you want to push ahead and try to keep everything as normal as you can, which is something that I'm going to try to do, but felt that I had to tell you. Uh, because that's the kind of relationship I feel like I have with those of you in this audience. And I say it every Christmas, which is when I feel more thankful than at Thanksgiving. And I feel thankful at Thanksgiving, but Christmas, it really gets to me. But over the years, a lot of people have been very nice telling me how much this program is meant to them. But whatever that is, it pales in comparison to what... You all have meant to me, and I can't—I can't describe this. But you know, I know you're there every day. I can see you. It's—it's it's strange how I, but I know you're there. I know you're there in great numbers, and I know that you understand everything I say. The rest of the world may not, when they hear it, expressed a different way. But I know that you do. You've been one of the greatest sources of uh, confidence that I've had in my life. So. I hope I will be talking about this as little as necessary in the coming days. But we've got a great bunch of doctors, a great team assembled. We're at full speed ahead on this. And it's just now a matter of implementing what we are going to be told later this week. So I'll be back here. I hope you're back on Thursday. If not, it'll be as soon as I can. And know that every day I'm not here. I'll be thinking about you and missing you.